Welcome everyone to the Action Only Podcast. I am your host, Jalal Wilson. And today I have a special guest, uh, my cousin actually, my cousin Nigel Lindsay. He is going to be on the podcast today and we're going to talk to him about some amazing things that he has going on. But first, as always, we're going to start this one off with a little quote. And this time I'm going to the good old man himself, Dr. Seuss. He says in the book, All the Places You Can Go, he says, you have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know. And you are the guy who will decide where you go. And that's pretty much what this podcast is about in general, taking action and understanding that you are the one in control of your destiny. And that is why I'm happy to talk to my cousin Nigel today because he has taken his destiny into his hands in quite a few different areas. The first one we're going to talk to him, well, he's a owner of the uh, business uh, Revolution by the Barrel. He's also a homeowner. He is also the vice president of the Snohomish County NAACP. And on top of that, he is a father. And uh, I'm just, you know, I'm a, a proud cousin. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of the older, I'm the older cousin, a little older cousin. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to have my, you know, younger cousin on here and just seeing all the amazing things he's doing and i'm just i'm happy to have him on here how are you doing today nigel you know uh today's been a good day for me i, I can't complain uh i mean there's been a couple of missteps with the windstorm happening out here in snowmish county but besides that you know i'm i'm pretty elated yeah and that's what's up that's what's up and again yeah. man i just i i appreciate having you on here and I, I was thinking to myself like dang the last time i saw him in person before i moved was when it was a few years back when we went to that uh we was, I don't even know what we was what it was for, but we had all went out that one night. I don't know where we were coming from. Oh, yeah. It was something. I don't even remember what it was. Was but, that Shamila's uh Shamila's yes, wedding? Yes, it was Shamila's wedding. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, wild. that's yeah. Yeah. So it's it's man, it's been a minute actually, now that you yes, say that. Because yeah. she's been married for yeah. a minute. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's, then I meant to come out to your wedding. And, yeah. then, and then when you hit me up, I was like, man, I didn't even make it to July's wedding. Yeah. And so I felt even more bad. I think I was either out of town or I couldn't get out of work with Revolution by the Girl. And I was like trying to move stuff around. But regardless, yes, it, it's been a little bit of time. And then when everybody was like, oh, yeah, July's moving, I was like, oh, no. Like, yeah. I to show up and now I'm not going to see you because you're all the way over here, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but we'll definitely catch up because we we going to slide back through in the summer. So we'll definitely catch up then. So, okay, smooth. Yeah, smooth. yeah, yeah. I got some dates I'm going to send you anyway. So hopefully you're out here this January if you can make it. Okay, okay. Yeah, send me the dates. Yeah. Send me the dates. Yeah. And uh, all right, man, let's get into this. So I want to talk about this because uh, I think it's dope. And like I said, the, the whole point of this podcast is just I, I want to interview people who are taking action in their life. So. You started Revolution by the Barrel seven years ago. So, man, I want you to kind of tell me what made you start that. And then kind of what are some of the things you've learned along the way? And how, you know, if Revolution by the Barrel has exceeded your expectations of what it might become. So kind of get into that for me. Yeah, so... Yeah, go, we're going on our seventh year. 2023 will be our seventh year, right? So, like, it's a couple months away. Um, and I started it originally because my first daughter was, I found out about my first daughter. And I was thinking, you know, how do I take control and not be working for somebody and being present? I was already bartending, as it is. And when you are a bartender, typically you're working until depending on how you want to live, you, you're working until about 4 a.m., sometimes 5 a.m. if you wanted to party, which is what I was doing. And that obviously with kids, you can't do that. I can't be working until starting work at 6 p.m., going all the way until 5 a.m., you know, because I want to have a drink or something like that with some people. Uh, so I thought individuals were already asking me to do weddings, and I always wanted to be having good cocktails and spaces I wanted to be in. 
Mm. So um, art galleries, different shows, like, you know, I went to a Miguel concert, I think that same year or, and, or at least a year into my business. And I realized they'll charge you $12 for a gym being and pineapple juice. But, you know, with my company, we focus on classic and craft cocktails and I'll run the same price, which is a Seattle standard price, 12 to $14 is typical for a cocktail out here. Yeah. Um, $8 for a well. But needless to say, um, I started the company because I was looking at all these spaces that I like to be in and how often I'm not getting a good cocktail. And I felt like that created it, that creativity needs to be full circle, whether it's a wedding or whether it's an artist's event of any kind. Mm-hmm. That should be prevalent in the cocktails. And we should have something better than these cocktails with high corn uh, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, right? So that was kind of just the original origination of it. And it kind of built upon that. And that was nice. Uh, as far as the second part of your question, remind me what that part was. I know it went on a little bit of a tangent, but. Yeah, let me, I want to I say some things about the first part you said. So you realize, hey, you know what? I'm about to have my, my daughter. I need to figure out a way to take control of my life and not put my my availability to my children in somebody else's hands. So I got to figure out something for me. So that was the first thing you're like, OK, I got to figure out this thing. How do I do this thing? I have this daughter coming like, how do I do this? And then so I love that. And then the second thing you did was you found a, a hole and then you figured out a way to fill it. You know, you saw, hey, th- this is the way they do in cocktails. Like you said, the high uh, corn fruit ter- f- fruit toast syrup in the uh, in the drinks. Yeah. Stuff. Hey, you know what? There's got to be a better way to do this. So you you kind of did two things right there, man. And I think that's that's that is amazing. You know what I'm saying? Because we have these moments in life, and some of us step up, and some of us fold. And you stepped up when you you had that moment to say, hey, you know what? You know, this coming in at four, five a.m. ain't going to work when I I now have a family. So that was uh, that was amazing. So the second part of that question was, you know, what kind of uh, what is the process been like? Is it what are some of the the ups and downs that you've had to overcome during this almost seven year period of running this business? Yeah, uh, there's been a lot, a lot of ups and downs when it comes to owning a business, right? So mm-hmm. the first big thing was understanding taxes, understanding mm-hmm. how things need to be paid and paying that accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I wasn't gifted a lot of financial knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it's been a very learning process through YouTube University, you know, just yeah. YouTube and one topic, trying to figure it out and making sure you can find that same answer four different times in three different, like four or five different videos, right? Mm-hmm. To make sure you're not doing something wrong or trying to find an escape route. And then uh, like right now on year seven, my biggest thing is staffing, right? Like there's been so many hurdles, like we had the pandemic that hit, mm-hmm. which I guess we're still technically in a pandemic, but when that pandemic hit, I had to figure out, okay, what, how much do I take out so I'm not paying anything back? What do I need to be doing to stay afloat and mm-hmm. make sure I'm paying my bills? I luckily, at the same time, I was a little bit different because I kept a nine to five throughout, at least for the first six years of owning this business, mm-hmm. six and a half years, I kept a nine to five and I was working in the banking industry um, that didn't conflict with my bartending but uh, assisted it in the measure I was able to get all this financial knowledge and this business knowledge. But the ups and downs have really been staffing, Mm -hmm. taxes in the beginning, and then now it's more or less like how do I continually find ways to remove myself? Mm Because in the first four years, I was probably bartending every single event. Mm -hmm. And I might have been with somebody or might not have. The last three years, you're lucky if you see me behind the bar bartending. And, and, and I don't want to say it as like, you know, like I'm above this, but Ronald McDonald's doesn't hand you your, your burgers, right? And right. I'm not saying I'm McDonald's by any means, but I found that my business has grown exponentially when I'm not the one bartending and I'm the one talking to individuals, letting people know about my business and being a little bit more creative about the different areas in which this business can grow into. Um, 
so that's that's been the biggest hurdles like trying to find more ways to remove myself as much as possible so then i can work on the operational strategy make sure i'm still abiding by what my three five and um yeah my three five and ten year plan is with this company because i look at that quarterly it seems like just trying to make sure that we're adjusting and moving along lines with the current times and seeing what the u.s is doing when it comes to alcohol because that was really also another big picture when i first started this company and i was trying to figure out something because i tried to be a bar owner and the person i asked for a percentage of laughed at me i looked up how much alcohol is sold in the u.s and um it was somewhere around uh, i think the number back when i started this company was around 18 i think it was 18 billion was the average alcohol all alcohol sales that the u.s reported and that's whether you own a distillery uh, a bar a restaurant all that alcohol mm. coming down and i was like i just need to make one percent of that uh, yeah you know, that ha- i just need to make one percent of that so uh, still, you know, those hurdles today is like making sure I'm measuring up with what's going on. Are our citizen, U.S. citizens still consuming as much alcohol as they were five years ago? If not, if they're consuming less, okay, maybe we need to look at a different approach as we look into non-alcoholic cocktails, right? Mm-hmm. What does that look for our menus? And how do we advertise that and show clients and prospective clients that this is something that we can also embark in? Um and, and you know it's just a lot of a lot of the hurdles now is the kind of things you do and deal with at a, with a board when you have six or so collective minds thinking about how a company approaches but a lot of the beginning steps like i was saying taxes staffing and then also how you manage individuals that's been a big hurdle for me um i've learned that no company survives by treating individuals like family or telling individuals they're like family for me mm, okay i will be i'll be a great boss you know or a manager and let you know what steps that need to be taken but i don't want you to ever think that we're family because i respect you enough to know that some families are not as balanced some mm. families have different qualms where you know you have individuals that may not respect the process but if I respect you on a level and understand that you're my employee, I need you to do X, Y, and Z, and you respect me as your employer to take care of X, Y, and Z since you did those things, then we have that level of respect. And I don't have to tell you that your family will have a common goal on where we're going to be. And I don't, ex- I don't beholden you to my own, my company only, or the idea that you will be with my company forever because you might not be, because that might not be your five-year plan, mm-hmm. right? You might want to have your own thing, or you might want to, you know, go into a different field entirely or maybe you're just here while you're paying for uh you know student loans or something right so Mm -hmm. yeah those are just a few of the hurdles going in okay so i i like that there's a couple things there so the first one is you know you i think that is something in our community that a lot of us have that same story right we didn't we weren't necessarily gifted the financial information of how to you know, play this game on a bigger level, like understanding the taxes, understanding the the financing piece of it, or any pieces of that game. We just not enough people around us were playing that that game on any scale to be able to teach us those things. So you willing to say, hey, I don't know these things, but I'm going to go to YouTube University and figure them out because everything is there. Nothing Whatever you want to learn, there is somebody on YouTube that will teach you that crap for free. Like, there is somebody there. Or they'll point you in the right direction of where you can get the information. Even if you do possibly have to pay for it, you can get it. And I think that that's, you know, pretty dope that you went ahead and, you know, like, okay, I got to use my resources. I don't I don't know these things, but I got to figure this out. And the other thing was that, that you said... You know, you worked a full-time job Why, while you were, you know, building Revolution by the Bear over the first six and a half years. So that kind of, you know, it usually works out one or two ways, right? Some people will go hard while they have that nine to five and still do everything they need to do for their business. And other people will kind of go halfway in it because they're like well i got this backup plan you know i got this job so i really 
it don't really matter you know if this works or not but you know yeah you didn't take that approach no and i i just knew that like one i i strive to be at the the highest level at my current job right or well what was my current job working in finance Mm -hmm. i wanted to be in a space knowing that i I try to look try to be optimistic about you know what can be for my future but Mm -hmm. also have to be a realist in a sense that if this business was to fail i need to be at least a high enough point that i can still provide for my kids Mm -hmm. right and and not be struggling and be in a field that isn't going to falter you know money is always going to be there somebody's going to want to talk finance as much as as evil as banks can be Mm -hmm. there's still somebody that's going to need to get a check there's a corporation that's going to go through them right um, and so I, even though I strived at that nine to five, I know that I also still need to strive in this business. And, and they, sometimes it does burn individuals out, which is completely fair, you know, um, because it burnt me out on multiple occasions, but it didn't mean that, um, I need to be like, oh, well I could slack off here or I could slack yeah. off there because if I do that, then I wouldn't be in the position I am now or the position I'm hopefully going to be in two years from now. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's amazing. That's a great point. And it's just perspective, right? You just had a vision. You have perspective and you had a vision for where you saw this going. And then, you know, you committed to it. And you've kind of like, you know, growing with it. And I think that rolls into the next thing where you realize that you have to be able to delegate. Because if you can't delegate, if you're always the face of it, one, you you'll never be able to sell it. If that's the if that's if you got to be there in day in and day out, that means you 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 you're too close to it. You know what I'm saying? So for the first four years, you were saying, yeah, you know, you was there. And the last three years, you're like, yeah, you figured it out. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's awesome yeah. too. You figured out, hey, I I need to not be there. I I need to be the one talking to people about the business and letting the people actually do the work for themselves, and then that you know letting that process play out and that's i was just reading about that yesterday because that's a lot that's one of the things that's hard for a lot of people is that letting go of their baby you know what i'm saying and and kind of stepping back a little and saying okay i'm still the brains of the operation but i i can't be what i once was to it so that's amazing that you figured that out yeah, and then also with me, right? So as a bar catering company, mm-hmm. if I was always the number one face, that would be saying, at least the way I look at it, is saying I am the best bartender at every occasion. Yeah, I know, I know I am not the best bartender. I judge competitions, and there is individuals that are thinking way outside the box that I would ever do for an event. Yeah. Um, but I would love to employ the best bartender because it makes my company up, right? Right. And also, like, it's just, why be, pre- like, we do events all throughout Washington. We do events in Oregon. Um, hopefully going to be doing a couple more in California as well in Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm not going all the way over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, as, as much as I am happy for the business and yeah. as much as I'm happy for the union or the corporate events that happen over there, mm-hmm. I'm not going all the way out there. That's, that's not the reason why I, I set this all up. And you can't really, and also even though like when you people look up revolution by the barrel my face might pop up first i want to empower others as much as possible i want to do what bosses did not do for me right like i want my staff like for example i have right now and my staff i know i have two people with their own businesses Mm -hmm. one of those individuals has a clothing line another individual that's not in those two people will actually have two individuals that are artists in their own right when it's musically and i want them to thrive in that i don't want them just to be bartenders for me yeah. I, would, I would rather they have the most beautiful career and blossoming there and this was just a stepping stone that paid their bills you know or this was their stepping stone where they could meet people that know, might know somebody that can help them out because that's just better for me because somebody else is always going to come somebody's always going to need a job yeah. right yeah. jobs are needed and people want drinks, whether they're alcoholic or non-alcoholic. So 
if I was consistently the face, I'm not empowering anybody. I'd be a lie to myself about what I wanted to do. And also I'd be no better than the individuals that hired me on a position that expected me to be there for 20 odd years. Right, 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 right. And you, you want people to come in, get what they need to get, evolve and and keep it moving because, you know, you understand the process of things. And when those people get to places that, you know, are, or maybe way up there they can be like oh yeah we when a catering event comes up you be like oh yeah you should use this company because you know what i'm saying you treated them well that word of mouth or they may even be in a position to tell somebody else and then boom it and brought back you know more business to you yeah or maybe get somebody or other people that are potentially looking to employ with black guy potentially employ know me because i'm a stepping stone for a higher ladder yeah. for somebody right yeah. i mean granted would i love to have somebody that wants to be with my company for 15 years yeah that'd be a godsend but that not happen i'm cool if i have somebody just for a year or two yeah. until they open up their own bar or they have whatever type of business identity that they need or get into the field that they want like that's that's cool yeah. i'm just happy that you were able to share you know, a little bit of time in your life and we we're able to work together and I was able to assist you in your growth, you yeah. know, instead of in your downfall. So Right, right, right. I yeah. like that. And I I like what you said. I think that's an interesting um thing about the um not wanting to treat employees like family and more along the lines of, hey, of systems basically this is the way the system works i'm gonna create uh the set of parameters for you to follow you follow these parameters i'm gonna do my part of it which is to make sure you get paid and you know treat you respectably you know what i'm saying instead of saying hey we're family because like you said there are some families where it's unbalanced dysfunction and all that other stuff right so you're just made you're just basically saying i'm gonna treat you like a grown-up and we're gonna have these checks and balances that keep that work both ways because the checks and balances keep you accountable and it keeps them accountable because you're both at that point you know dealing with based on your word yeah definitely definitely and it you know i found going in that measure which don't get me wrong it's not as easy as said but like going in that measure has paid off a lot more okay okay you know yeah it definitely has yeah, yeah. but i can see you yeah. know but I, it sounds like you learned that like via trial and error right you're like yeah we first very out. much <laughs> intro out there <laughs> yeah very much <laughs> on it. i was getting my feelings hurt left and right yeah. when individuals would do something i'd be like well what about the company yeah. you know? yeah. yeah. like with your family why are you acting like this now after a while it's just like you gotta do what's best for you yeah. and, and it wasn't I, i'm not gonna say that this was a recollection of my own uh uh-huh. this was not yeah. This was told to me on multiple occasions yeah. from other individuals. And it, it, it is what it is. My partner has made it very clear to me. She's made it very clear to me. Everybody's going to do what's best for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you just have to trust the process and do at the end of the day. Right? So I can't be like, well, you know, what about my business? X, Y, and Z. You know, I just got to respect you for whatever actions you got to make. And I got to respect myself. And if you don't take care of, you know, say you take care of Y and Z, but don't take care of X. I gotta let you know. Hey, your job is to take care of X, Y, and Z. And if yeah. you can't do that, that's cool. But we're, it's no more like we're family. How dare you do this? Get me getting in my feelings. Yeah. Like I'm not sending no long text messages. That's not happening. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna put out some side for some time for a long, long ass phone call. That's unnecessary. Yeah. We just gotta respect each other and continue to grow that way. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. I yeah. hear that. Yeah, so very much trial and error. Very yeah, much trial yeah. and error. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. I definitely get it. And I think there's it's an important I think it's an important piece. I think it would be unfair to leave it out. What age did you start Revolution by the Barrel at? Uh, That would have been 23. Yeah, it was right after my 23rd birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a big thing. So, right, you're 23 years old and you're like, man, now is the time. Like, this is where I'm at in my life. And so to be able to say at 23, okay, yeah. It's go time and then being willing to go through this process to now yeah um you're 29 or you're almost 30 or you're about to be 30 
30. I just turned 30. 30 okay. uh, this past May. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now you're 30 years old, coming in seven years now. So there's, let's go on to the, the next thing that I thought was amazing. So, I mean, people do it all the time, but it's still, there's not a whole lot of, uh, not a whole lot of homeowners in our family. So I thought it was a beautiful thing to see that you did. So you went and bought your first home. What was that process like for you? Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, bought the house a few years ago. And that process, well, this is the thing. The, the benefits of working in finance mm-hmm. is I'm a very, well, let me start off by saying that I can be very competitive sometimes. Okay. And uh, while working in finance in the banking industry, I saw individuals coming in all the time buying homes. And I was thinking, I need a home. Like, this makes no sense that you have one and I don't have one. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't know anybody from Jump Street just coming in. Oh, I'm just putting a down payment on my house. I was like, you got a house? I don't have a house? Okay, well, I need yeah. to get a house. Yeah. Right? So I started doing all this back-end knowledge about, like, what it looks like to purchase uh-huh. home and property and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And I was also trying to figure out what does it look like to leave a legacy. Um, so the process all in all to build to a house was one coming from a competitive point of view, but then also thinking, how do I further leave a legacy other than just a business, Mm -hmm. uh, for my daughters and for my family. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the, what it was for me, the, the easiest point was for me was getting the education behind it. And luckily I worked in finance, so Mm -hmm. I didn't have to go far for the education. Mm -hmm. I could talk to other business bankers. I could talk to other uh, mortgagees and stuff like that and find every loophole or at least spend, you know, time that I was supposed to be really working to to understand more about the back end. And then I did that for about a year. So talking to mortgagees, other business owners um, that were buying properties based off of that, how they bought properties. What was their credit score? The ways to build up their credit, right? Um, which to buy a home, I found out as of right now, you only have to have a 620 credit score. I say only, but 620, 620 credit score, you can buy a home and the government uh, will pay for roughly 3%. Um, and that's more than enough, which is exactly what happened to me. At the time I bought my home, I had a six, I think it was a 680. 680 credit score um and the government paid three percent and uh i was able to get a home by only putting two thousand dollars down and i got that back that same i got that back the following month i got bought the house in march got the uh got that two thousand dollars back in april wow (laughs) so the the money i put down I, i i got it back and the money i put down was just money i put in stocks a while before but that's besides the point um but the process in which going was a little difficult process i started in 2019 um i just came back from thailand after seeing like different communities and i was like well how do i build a community i was thinking all this stuff and i was like let's hit the ground running so november 2019 till march 2020 was the process of me buying out so i got back from thailand immediately I took a first home buyer's class, which you can find online. Um, every real estate agent and mortgagee has to put it on a part of having their own license. They have to put it on monthly. So in Washington state, there is at least four classes in every city. Hmm. And they could be, I mean, now with the way the pandemic hit, they're virtual, but uh, at the time this was before the pandemic. so. Uh, I went out to Arlington because I lived in Everett. Uh, and I sat in for a class for three hours and learned. They tell you pretty much to build your dream house. And then they tell you, okay, based off your dream house, how much money do you make? This is the estimated amount that you would get for a loan. This, since you're not, are you going to put something down? If you're not going to put something down, this is what your ballpark is. So now you got to take away from your dream house because my dream house had. Uh, a three car garage. It had like a 1.5 acres. It was like yeah. a two story house. Yeah. And then they're like, yo, 
slow down a little bit. You know, <laughs> you make you barely make sixty thousand dollars a year. You know, like even though you have supplemental income from your business, that's great. You don't look at putting more than you're not you're not trying to put anything down if you can escape from it. If you're lucky, you can find yourself a five hundred thousand dollar house. And I was like, okay, yeah. that's fine. Which I end up getting a house for. Four hundred thousand, so it kind of worked out. Right? Okay, it's okay. really straightforward with me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I went to the first home buyers course, did that, and then I met my real estate agent, um, and then she was letting me know that I need to confirm with my mortgagee how much I'm available for a loan. Met with several different mortgagees, um, and with all of them, I look. They're sales reps, right? Mm-hmm. So a real estate agent, they need you in order to make money. A mortgagee, um, the person that gives you out your loan, they need you to make money. So it isn't to me. It's not about friendship. It's about business. If you're not going to give me the best loan, if you're not going to find wiggle room to give me a little bit extra money, I'm not beholden to you yeah. right, by any means necessary. So it was a little bit of shopping around to figure out who's going to give me the best of what I need. Yeah. Because you could be you could be as beautiful as you are. You could smile. You could say all the right things. But if that money is not looking right, I'm not going to work with you yeah. because I'm going to work with somebody that's going to be in long haul. I don't talk to my mortgage anymore. Do I talk to my real estate agent? Yes. But like my mortgage, I don't, I don't talk to her anymore. And she's a great individual, Yeah. but it was business, right? So yeah. I shopped around for a mortgage, found a mortgage that was willing to give me up to, I think she gave me 475 okay. and told me what an estimated payment was going to be. And then from there, I just started touring houses. I, you meet with your real estate agent, usually they'll have an app or they'll tell you, hey, these are some houses on the market. They'll tell you what you have. You tell them what you're looking for. They'll look out for you and then you just start scheduling visits. And you go to these open houses and you go here and you try to outbid people. I bid on more than 16 houses and lost every single time. And also the key thing is I started in the wintertime because people don't sell in the wintertime unless they have to sell. Uh-huh. And I knew that I wanted something for a better price. Yeah. So if I was, if somebody was selling in December, I knew I could also ask for them to pay for closing costs. Uh-huh. I knew I could be like, well, you know, can I get this $5,000 cheaper because I just wanted to, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I did that, but I lost every time. <laughs> <laughs> I lost every single time. Yeah. And then one thing to keep in mind also, the process of buying, is you can't make larger purchases or do anything mm-hmm. that affects your credit. Mm-hmm. In December, I did something that affected my credit. I can't remember if it was that I paid off a student loan, thinking outside of without talking to my mortgagee, or I did something mm-hmm. and my credit score shifted a tiny bit. I think it was like maybe 12 points, mm-hmm. 12 to 15 points. So although that time so from december from when i my point shifted from mm-hmm. december until like late january i couldn't bid on any houses and i promise you july during that time that's when houses were the cheapest uh, it was the worst i yeah. found houses bigger than the house that i have now for less money and i'm just sitting there looking sad um because the loan wouldn't come to, i wasn't pre-approved anymore until certain things were off my record right oh uh, yeah yeah so uh but then right after that, I started bidding again. And now as it starts to get warmer out, people are out bidding more because families are willing to move during that time. Like yeah. if you have a kid, people buy houses, like it's best time to sell your house in May and June, mm-hmm. um, July and August because a family's more likely to move during that time because school transitions and everything, they got time. Yeah, They're not trying to do that in the middle of the school year. It's yeah. very rare. Uh, but yeah, so... I was still so after all that happened, I started bidding again, losing out because the market was going great. Where I'm, I got my house at three percent, so everybody was getting around less than four percent, which was mm-hmm. unprecedented at the time. But then I was also around the time the pandemic was starting to roll around, yeah. so people were locking their doors around the country. And then in March, the U.S. was like, "No, yeah. we're not doing anything." Yeah. And with my situation. A lot of people, unfortunately, uh, lost their jobs or were sent home without knowing when they're going to come back for work. Mm-hmm. So from a banking standpoint, they're like, well, we don't know if you're coming back to work, right? Uh, so we're not going to finance you on a home loan. And myself and a few others bid on the house I live at now. I lost out on this house. 
Yeah, this had to be, had to be like number nineteen or twenty of house I lost out on. Yeah. But the person that outbid me by like I don't know how much they just outbid me worked at Boeing. Boeing laid everybody off, right? And during the process that they were going through the home closing process, so they called me and were like, "Hey, we're trying to sell this home. This person lost out. Do you want this home?" And the pandemic hit now. So Governor Inslee was like, you can't go out. So I'm like looking on Redfin. I was like, well, I already bid on this house. It must mean I want this house. And then I re-put my bid. And that was the only reason I got, well, not the only reason I got my house, but that was one of the also big and deciding factors of how that process was to get that home. Yeah. Um, and then I had to wait the 30 days. So yeah, I got that moved in in March of 2020. So I had to, that was all in like early March, mm-hmm. late February. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's 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 a lot you lost out on twenty houses. It is still kept going. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. the I, pandemic. I have some pictures of some of those same houses I listed, lost out on too. Yeah, and then the I, pandemic. I, I drive past some of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pandemic <laughs> happens. You know what I'm saying? So it changes what we're 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 even looking at houses, and this is crazy. Then you have the thing where you, you know your credit gets affected. It's like man, you can't bid. You, you could have got a bigger house. It's crazy, right? I think yeah. that the part where you were looking, the thing that once again got you started to take action is your competitive, your competitive nature. And then also you're thinking about legacy. And so I think that that's another key, key point here, right? These things you have in these moments, these moments in your life where you're looking at these things and you're saying, OK, what is the next area I need to take action in my life? What is the next area that needs to do something? And so you saw this and yeah, you had to overcome quite a bit to get it done, but you did it. You know, you said you did the one year research to kind of figure out the talk to some people and kind of figure some things out and then put yourself in the best position to make that happen. And so I think that's dope. The interesting thing that you said that I did not even know was what well, I mean pretty much the whole process for the house but the one thing you said i never knew you went to thailand like how did that come about how did the whole how did you end up in thailand how long did you go for okay yeah so i was in thailand for about three weeks um i went to thailand just to have a vacation okay. just because i was i was burned out you mm. know like working two jobs and everything like that i was just like i was burnt um and so I went with some people that, so some people from my past, and it was a great trip because trips for me, I go out of the country now, I go to country now like every six months, which is like a good life to have. But mm. um, uh, it was, but what the trip was for me was understanding different cultures and how they interact with one another. Yeah. Right. So Thailand was really just like, oh. Let's look out. Let's look on a map and see where can we go for a good price point. Mm-hmm. You know, and Thailand happened to be that space in 2019, 2018, oh. 2019 when this was being planned. Yeah. Because at the time, I think it was like 30 cents to the American dollar. Okay. So, yeah. So, like, whatever their $1 bill was, was like 30 cents American. Oh. So yeah. I was like, oh, that's, yeah, you know, that's, that's yeah. a come up. That's a good steal. Yeah. Right. And also it gave me this great, uh, I never had a passport before then. So it gave me this great understanding of community and how people move. When I was in Thailand, um, I was still on this regiment. Cause when I was going to the gym, I'd wake up at four, mm-hmm. get the gym by four thirty, no later than five. And so I was still doing that in Thailand. It was just, it just happened. Mm-hmm. And one time I went out to the street. After a night of partying, right, you see individuals eating scorpions and just like all these expats and tourists kind of just doing whatever they want in the city. Yeah. I promise you, when I went out at five in the morning, I saw nothing but community members cleaning up this same space where they were just raking in all this cash from tourists. Mm. And I was like, well, this is a good sense of community. This is something I want to embellish in. And then also, I saw them all helping out with each other. And it also fi- fi- fixed in with the housing. I was like, Oh, the same guy that runs this restaurant is helping this guy build this house. And oh. I was thinking of the community that I would want to have and the community I was kind of raised on in the South End where I knew my neighbors. My neighbors knew me. They knew when I got home, they would tell my mom who was working three jobs, oh, Nigel was playing around a little bit too much outside. 
yeah. take care of X, Y, and Z. And I kind of wanted that. And that's what I saw. And also I was just saying like, you know, I also enjoy going out of the country and this is an experience that I also want for my family. So when I'm building this legacy, I know I'm going to make more funds in the future if I make this initial investment here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, there was, yeah, there was a lot that went into Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Now I want to yeah. get into, um, yeah, before we wrap this up, I think it's important to get into this last piece. Um, when you told me when I when I, I remember seeing this, um, but I actually didn't know all the details around it. But you're the vice president of the the Snohomish County NAACP. Like, what age did that uh, did that happen at, and how did that happen? Yeah, um, you know, that was it was all luck because at the time I was working at Wells Fargo. Um, in uh, small business finance before I moved on to corporate finance. Mm -hmm. And within that, you're supposed to find a way to build in the community. And I went to a Rotary Club meeting. And when I went to the Rotary Club meeting with somebody else, a veteran from Wells Fargo, because he was like, you should be a part of the Rotary Club. It's Mm -hmm. a good investment for you. Uh, Somebody from the NAACP, uh, who is now a councilman in Snohomish County, and a good friend of mine, Lewis Harris, he was oh, speaking on behalf I know of Lewis. It. Oh, you know Lewis? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Lewis yeah. comes over for dinner. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, Tell him I said what's up. Next yeah. time talk to him. Yeah. We'll do. Yeah. So, you know, actually, I think we might have talked about you because we're mutual friends on Facebook and everything yeah. like that. But yeah. anyway, that might have been years back. But uh, yeah, so Lewis was speaking at the Rotary Club meeting and he said that he was from the NAACP. And I was looking around at this Rotary Club meeting and I was like, well, there's nobody that looks like me here. And I thought, do I want to be this only person like I am at Wells Fargo? And I don't. It, it's exhausting, right? Yeah. And I didn't see where the benefit would lie. So I was like, well, let me go to an NAACP meeting and talk to Lewis. Like, this is when the meetings are. And so went to the meeting, met the president, Dr. Janice Green, talked to Lewis some more, saw some other community members I knew from college. And I was like, oh, okay. Let me just, let me go fully here, take a step away, like not even entertain Rotary Club. Rotary Club, don't get me wrong, is great for some individuals. At that time, it was not great for me. Yeah. Um, and so I kept going to meeting. And the thing with NAACP is we're not turning away any individuals of color. Mm. We're honestly not turning away anybody that wants to put in the right amount of work and wants to benefit and do along, and do along the line of the mission of the NAACP. If you, if you fit within that mission guidelines and you want to put in that active work, no matter who you are, whatever age you are, there will be volunteer work for you that needs to be done. Yeah. Um, and so I showed that effort and I talked to him and I had my ideas because as vice president, I also have my own committee and I am, and everybody, a lot of people on the executive committee has a committee, but mine's is economic development. Okay. Making sure that, uh, businesses of color get that information as necessary and as needed within their cities and whatnot. And within my lines of economic development, you know, and with my prior knowledge, I was like, hey, this is where my private knowledge is. This is something that I think I'd be great for. Um, also, I looked up the person I had the chair previously. They're like, oh, gladly do it. And I started off as the third vice president. Hmm. Lewis was the first and there was somebody else as the second. And as time gone on, I'm now first. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, um, cause Lewis, you know, he's a councilman now and he also has a couple other things going on, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, and all in all to say, it's just like, we're not moving anybody out of the way, but if somebody wants to give up a position, that, that's where it's there. But my process to getting into the NAACP was just showing effort. Um, I believe you already know this, but like on my mom's side, we have a legacy of black Panthers. Mm-hmm. I think you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and so with my involvement with the NAACP this was me a lot this to me was like this is the space where I become my own revolutionary mm-hmm. not to say revolution like in a sense of revolution by the barrel but yeah I've always felt that was like one of the most things I was proud of you know is to be like oh wow like you know I'm a descendant of a black panther yeah. I'm a descendant of somebody that has been wanting to affect change within their own community and I've been about that 
since high school, since middle school, actually, when I went to the Million Man March. Um, and this was another opportunity to do that. You know, I think on a very wide spectrum of the legacy, right? Yeah. Me being within the NAACP, for my future kids, for my current kids, that they're going to see who their father was and what he stood for and also what our lineage has. And, you know, the NAAC follows that. And they have a good mission behind you, assisting other individuals, building and speaking up for people that can't speak on their own. I, I couldn't see why else I wouldn't want to be a part of something like that. So that was kind of the Rotary Club, meeting Lewis, going to there, putting in the effort and the work. That's what got me to that, showing up to the meetings, bringing in different intentions, going to different city meetings and being in spaces where we're not normally at mm-hmm. and talking on behalf of the NAACP or learning what they're doing and then bringing that back to the NAACP to figure out a way to put people that look like us in these spaces. I was 100% about that because I would want somebody that to do that on my behalf. So I might as well do it on somebody else's behalf. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. See, okay. So I think the the theme that I'm noticing here is legacy, right? We're building these legacies, this legacy, and you're putting yourself in these positions because you understand the bigger picture. And, you know, if we, even with the revolution, but if we just go revolution by the barrel at 23, you know, you're saying, hey, this is what I, I, I need to do. I'm getting ready to have this kid. I'm looking, I'm thinking about my legacy, right? So you start that and then you're going to say, hey, same thing. We're going to home ownership. I'm thinking about legacy, you know, and then you're looking at these ways to that you can affect the community that you are a part of. You join the NCAACP, I mean, NAACP and (laughs) again, legacy stuff. You know what I'm saying? So all these areas you're taking, you know, you've took action on, you know what I'm saying? And to think I'm just sitting here listening to all this right and to understand that you are only 30 years old this is just literally the tip of the iceberg for you and you understand the brevity of this moment right you understand that in the way that you move because you're you're forward thinking um and it's just amazing to see now I like to end with this question if there is somebody who right now is struggling to take action on their dreams, on their goals, and they came to you and said, Nigel, what advice would you give me? What would you tell that person? Ooh. I, I think it depends on the level of struggle and mm-hmm. where that struggle is, right? Because mm-hmm. struggle as a broad sense is, well, struggle itself is just too broad. If they're they're struggling to find the time, mm-hmm. let's maneuver and make a plan. I think everything needs a plan. And that's what could be very helpful. So I guess to answer the question, if somebody was struggling to take action in a certain field or within their life in general, mm-hmm. make a plan. And you don't have to feel bad about how long that plan takes you, right? Because there are individuals that are in great positions and they got to those positions at 50. Right. Comparative to those individuals that got to that position at 20. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that it can be difficult now with social media to see, you know, because I see kids younger than me that just got, that just have it, you know, yeah. they have these things. Like, I want me an electric car. I've seen, I don't know how many other 20 year olds I've seen with electric cars and I'm sitting there driving my Dodge and I'm like, Ugh. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Jones and Hayden, right? But, um, if you're struggling to take action, it is just making a plan and then following to that plan. And obviously that road is going to be adjusted. You know, it's not going to be a smooth payment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going to be wa- walking on those rocks of clay, you know, where it hurts your feet, like old track school days at Rainier beach, you know, like, yeah. you know, like I'm talking about like, yeah. So it's like, you just, if you have a plan and have an idea of where you want to be, maybe not. Uh, like say within five years I want to be X, Y, and Z here cool now you know where you want to be in five years okay what do you have to do in three years what do you have to do in two years what do you got to do in one year and to get to your one year what do you got to do in six months oh okay 
hey, you embellish a little bit too much, you can't get that done in six months, you get that nine, done in nine months. But you've yeah. learned and you continue to grow based off of that. So if you were struggling, if someone was asking that question, make a plan. And it is okay to ask somebody else, somebody that you, like, you know, use your resources to. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't go out and ask like somebody that maybe you've never talked to before, like don't reach out to some random Instagram celebrity, but use your resources in the sense of like, if you have a plan, for example, you want to buy a house mm-hmm. and you have a bank account with Chase Bank, go in there and set a time with a mortgagee, you know, and talk because as salespeople, they want you to buy a house too. Yeah. They really don't care. I mean, hopefully they should not care too much about your what you present to them on the exterior and they should be seeing you for the dollar sign that you are which is buying a house so they're going to give you all the tips and tricks to buy a house right yeah um but and if that doesn't work ask somebody else and if that doesn't work ask somebody else sometimes it's just asking make a plan and start asking questions or putting yourself in spaces where you may be able to get those answers if you have the availability to do that i was lucky enough to have the availability to be in a financial, like be in a space where finance is all we talked about because mm-hmm. I decided to take a job, take a risk, starting a job at the bottom with Wells Fargo so I can talk about finance and understand what that life might leave for me, right? Um, but yeah, asking questions, putting yourself in the right spaces to ask these questions and making a plan and consistently adjusting to get to that plan. Yeah, I see. I love that. And I think the the yeah. last piece of that is taking action on that plan. Because you can make all the plans in the world, but if you don't take action on them, you're still going to be right where you're at. You can ask all the people in the world, too, but you got to make sure you take action on whatever they tell you to do. Because that's a lot of this is just taking action. Take action. So I just want to say, yeah. Nigel, man, I love you, cousin, and I really do. I uh, appreciate I you, you coming. <laughs> I appreciate that. I really appreciate you coming on and just, man, when I'm just sitting here listening to you, just thinking like, dang, man, this guy's only 30. And this really is just the beginning. And I I see your vision and just listening to you and just understanding like how you, you speak about legacy, man. And just grandma would be so proud man like grandma would be so proud man and it's just beautiful to to hear all this and uh we gonna have to uh catch up more often and um i'm gonna definitely send me them dates and uh okay yeah man thank you no thank you i appreciate you giving me the space and the time and creating a platform in which to, to speak uh, you know and, and, and it makes me happy to, 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 yeah, to stick with your voice and have this conversation. So, thank you. All right. No problem. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to the Action Only Podcast. And again, I'm your host, Jalal Wilson. And um, you can find me at jalalwilson.com. And Nigel, actually tell the people they want to uh, find out about Revolution by the Barrel. Where should they find you at online? Yeah. So uh, on social media, well, only on Instagram. I don't have a Twitter. At Revolution by the Barrel. That's R E V O L U T I O N B Y T H E B A R R E L. And also RevolutionbytheBarrel.com to see our website and then book if you have want to do any consultations or talk alcohol or anything like that. All right. Well, thank y'all. Yeah. And we'll see y'all next week.